Welcome to Transformed by Truth, the podcast that will challenge and empower you to free your mind and absorb the truth about who you really are and what you're capable of. I'm Deborah Stonnell and my purpose is to help you to unlock your potential and create a fulfilling life that aligns with God's designed purpose for you. So let's get started with this week's topic. Okay, so my amazing guest today is Marina Carrier. Marina lived through early trauma as an illegitimate, unwanted child who was then sexually abused by her stepfather up until the age of nine when she was left for dead. Despite her horrendous childhood, she trained to be a teacher, got married and adopted a child. Putting aside her own needs and even lived in denial about her husband's betrayal, she worked hard for many years, leading to mental exhaustion. And one day she got to the point where she was truly in despair. And it was at that point she heard her name while she was crying on her bed. And I'm going to let Marina take it from here. Marina, welcome. Thank you you very much. Oh, you're so welcome. Can you share with us what happened that day on the bed? Right. Can I just add one piece of information? You can. You didn't say. I was baptized as a baby. All right. Mm -hmm. And God really did uphold me in all this mess um, and brought me through the, the trauma. And that's, you know, and gave me great grace as a teacher. So I was given tremendous, um, well, wisdom. And I was, you know, I really was fed by the angels in, in, in terms of understanding and uh, wisdom in, in, you know, in education. So when I reached that point, when I was uh, crying on the bed, I was a head of department in a polytechnic, glory to God. I'd done a PhD, which I'd been asked to do after being doing an, uh, a master's degree because somebody told me I needed a degree. You know, I just was being obedient all the way through. And, you know, my career was, was not, it was like, ooh, 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 you're like this. So I, it's like, like those games, you know, you have to go and pick up pieces of information. It was a bit like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there was I having living with... Um, my husband had been unfaithful and um, uh, really it wasn't so much that he'd been unfaithful but that he had lied to me and he he denied it and then he told me and I think it was the betrayal of my trust that really sort of finished me off Um, but the man who'd been helping me with my PhD then became a sort of partner and although, you know, as I see it now, you know, I sort of fell away from God. And yet somehow God was with me because this man had been a very strong Christian um, until his uh, soon-to-be wife uh, revealed herself as a, as, a, as a lesbian and didn't want to marry him. But the point is God uses all sorts of circumstances to carry us because when we are... Um, traumatizes children we haven't got a straightforward brain or a very clear 
path forward about um, righteousness because we haven't lived in it. We haven't experienced that, you know, clarity of thought. So there was I, this man having told me he didn't want to marry me when it was would have been possible. And we got together on those grounds. And I just felt, well, I've got no hope. You know, if he doesn't love me, how can I do all this work where I'm giving to everybody? And out of this darkness, I heard my name. Now, I didn't immediately think those, there's God. Because to be honest, when God had led me into education, I didn't sort of, I didn't have a conscious awareness. I wasn't, I didn't trust myself. No, I didn't trust the church. And I didn't go in, I wasn't living in the church, but I was living by Quaker precepts. There is that of God in all people, moderation in all things, and serving God by serving others. So I was living with those three things. That's what kept me on the straight and narrow in my life as a teacher. But I'd never been able to deal with the things inside. So although at that time in in England, as you'll know, Deborah, um, you oh no, you're probably not old enough. But at that time, there was still <laughs> there was still services, sort of Christian services, before school every day. So every time we said the Lord's Prayer, I'd be yawning away, not understanding why I was yawning or whatever. But the Lord did use that. And that was, in a sense, my worship for years. So there was I, crying on the bed, and then I heard my name. Now, it wasn't a rational mind thing that was comforted, but something deep within me. Because I had proclaimed Christ as an 18, 19-year-old, after doing A-level scripture, I had proclaimed that he was, you know, the, the son of God. So that bit of me was comforted. And following there, in the following few few weeks, I saw things happening that had happened for my benefit, a, bit, a greater benefit, that I hadn't made happen. And it was absolutely, for me, the thought that somebody was loving me and caring for me and enabling me was wonderful. And so in my soul, I wanted to thank this thing. So, I mean, I now, I mean, God doesn't mind because thing in those circumstances was my, my Lord, my God, my Father, you know, but I didn't know that. I mean, the, the idea of father was totally anathema to me. And I expect for some of you too. But there was God leading me. And I went to the nearest church in the village that we lived in. And I I really followed. I went to see the priest. He was praying for me. You know, I I gave myself totally to this situation and really sought to see where they were going and what they were doing. And um, and it was only after about three months, I think, and I thought, I can't, I can't align myself with the way they see things. So I'd heard about this church in the next village. And that's when I made a shift. 
to this evangelical, charismatic, it was Anglican church, but very evangelical, charismatic. And there I discovered, you know, um, well, healing prayer and the gifts of the Spirit and all sorts of things. And that's where I gave my life to Christ. Wonderful. Can I just backtrack just slightly um, back to hearing your name on the bed? Mm. At what point did you realise that it was God calling to you? What made you realise that? There was no, there was no, I don't actually remember the conscious shift Mm. from, to to my head. Mm. Um, I only know that my, deep within me, Mm. I knew, my heart knew. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. And um and I think this is for many people, they have so buried their God awareness, their um pure and holy and innocent and um God fearing self yeah. because it's like, been so crushed. Yeah. Go yeah, on. Absolutely. So that was like deep pulling onto deep. Exactly and that. It bypassed your head completely. It's just it had to. Deep. It had to. Yeah. Because yeah. really, my my head had been protecting me for so long, of so course. long. Yeah. And um, you know, when my husband had been unfaithful, um, you know, and I'd I'd let moved out, um, I th- and I see it actually is in God's hands because He put me in the hands of a of a God fearing man, even though He'd left the church when this thing happened with him. He still had all that formation in him. And I had not had, really. Yeah, God can use uh, anyone and anything. Exactly. Exactly yeah, that. Exactly that. speak through a donkey. We know this, so, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Good, good old Barlam. Yeah. So what inspired you to dedicate your life to helping others, especially those going through what we might term dark trauma? I don't think it was like a, a, that wasn't a conscious decision either. Mm -hmm. You see, let me, oh, no, 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 I tell you where, I tell you what happened. I, this church, as I told you, that I then moved to, and that's where I gave my life to Christ and, you know, was received into that church again and um and discovered all sorts of um ways of you know deliverance ministry and all everything and healing ministry or i almost straight away got involved with that so and he used my workaholism to uh, uh to for me to get seeped in the word and also, he gave me an immediate desire for the Eucharist when I joined that church. And um, I i don't know how it happened, but I, I was praying morning prayers and evening prayers at home for months. I mean, I, right from the start, I think. So I think, you know, his grace was working in me, still working in me, not through teaching, but through seeking him so in a sense it was just a question of him leading me but what he gave me right from the beginning was an awareness of being a servant Mm. so 
that in that in that church that I'm talking about, there was a, a Thursday lunch club, and one of the um, I mean he he developed me in the gifts of the spirit immediately in that church. You know, I'd find myself, you know, because in the evening service, they would they would spend time listening, you know, to, to the Lord. And I'd get that horrible, I say horrible because it's so scary, you know, but <laughs> that flutter, you know, in, in, in my heart. Oh, grief, no, I'm going to have to say something. <laughs> <laughs> and he just, he just trained me in listening. <laughs> you know right right from right from from there and and then when i can't remember the the time scale of all this but he he told me fairly early on after he'd provided lots of healing courses for me and and i knew more of what had actually happened to me because it was it was only at the end of my te- my you know my polytechnic career that as a head of department I was fronting a, a day for a member of staff who wanted to teach teachers about how to recognize um, uh, children who had been sexually abused. And there was me. Thinking, Hang on a minute, this is me. <laughs> At the end of the day, you know, I didn't, I didn't. So there was an un- unraveling of all this going on. But at one t- time, after a, a fair amount of healing, the Lord said to me, right, I want you to trust your healing in my hands. Don't even think about it. And I uh, will, uh, and I, I want you to serve me. So there were two things that happened. One, he actually took me to the church one day and he told me exactly what he wanted me to do with with a, a sort of tramp man uh, in the village. But I can't remember the juxtaposition of these but I went to a evangelical, it was a, a man who supported villages, supported small communities in building their faith. And I went to another village. Um, this is in um, near Bristol. And we were praising and singing and, you know, claiming the healing of Christ and, you know, all this stuff. And and I was, you know, confidently claiming it and proclaiming it and, and everything. And then he said, right, he said, um, I would like you to pray because um, I need X amount of money um, in order to take a mission to, and it was to, I can't remember which African country, and they needed a particular amount of money. He said, I'd like you to pray about how much you should give. So... <laughs> I prayed, and into my mind, heart, came £100. And I thought, hang on a minute, I haven't got £100. And then I thought, oh, it'll come in the post tomorrow. I like (laughs) that. (laughs) So I eventually did give the £100 after having started to write a cheque for £10. I I think I'd got £2 in my purse, and I was going to give them £1. Right? So... uh, so I started writing a check for 10 and that horrible feeling of knowing you're doing the wrong thing, you know. So I, in the end, I wrote a hundred, a hundred pounds. I said, right, I know it's going to be a hundred pounds over what he wanted. And of course it wasn't. So the following morning when, 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 um, 
when the post did not bring me a cheque for £100. So this is how we have to stand with claiming God's work. <laughs> and it suddenly came into my mind. I receive £100, I think it was a week or a month, I can't remember, disability allowance. <laughs> he wanted me to give him my disability allowance. Now, he didn't immediately make me stop it. I think about a month later, I came off my disability allowance and I stood in him. So I could only be obedient to him. And what, do you, what did that obedience do? Well, it, it made me, obviously I had to listen, and I was receiving the Eucharist every Sunday rather than, because at that church, uh, I couldn't go to the to the um, early morning, the communion service, because it wasn't very early morning. And I used to go to the church plant service and the evening service. So I had I went to another church, another Anglican church in the village to receive communion. and then went to these other services which were feeding me and, you know, I was receiving prayer and whatever. Um it just led me to total obedience. Commitment to him and his way, trusting in him. And um, it led me, uh, because the, the priest uh, discerned that I should go out to Switzerland, to the Labri community, which is evangelical, no charismatic, right? And uh, if you've never heard of it, it's um, it was set up by two Americans um, Edith Schaefer, Edith and Francis Schaefer, um, and their son, one of the sons, you know, is actually Orthodox now. But um, amazing community, absolutely amazing. And what God needed me to know was what family was like, was about. So there is no area of the church that I will turn my back on, no area, because God uses it for His purposes in his way, for different people, for different souls who have different needs. It was an amazing experience. So that was one, one aspect. But then I stayed out there and lived as a hermit. So I went from one extreme to... Oh, and I, I, before I went out, I had uh, started to go to the Catholic Church because they did a morning service, but in communion, you know, it, with people. So I'd started to go there, and then they were having mass afterwards every day. So eventually, I was just led, and I was ble I was blessed every step of the way, every change. I was blessed to do it. Amazing. There was never any bitterness, never any. You know, this is horrible. I'm not staying here. Just yeah. a blessing to move on the journey. Yes, it was all been like that. Amazing. So that's amazing. So I know that you have written a couple of books. Tell us about the books you've written and how did writing become a form of expression and healing for you? Well, the, fir the first book is called Treasures of Darkness. Um, and it was actually the result of following God, again, being obedient to circumstances and, and listening to God where what I thought and I wanted, right, 
uh, didn't happen. Mm. And um, and I I just really I'd had a prophetic word saying all your all your organized life will be thrown into you know chaos, and that's what it was like. And then I was at one point just really not knowing what to do. And somebody offered me, um, well, I was told by a a nun to get out of a a particular situation I was in because it wasn't doing me any good. And then um, further down the line, somebody gave me the opportunity because I had no home, I had nothing, and um, get the opportunity to go to this tiny cottage in Wales. And the cottage gave me a listening space and two different people made it very clear that this was in God's hands I didn't want to go there was no it was like Lord I'm willing to be willing and when it became very clear uh, and this this totally strange uh, priest when I went to this monastery that I used to go to you know for, for comfort and learning really um, when this priest said to me, because I told him I didn't want to go to this place, I was feeling rebellious. I didn't want to do what you know what was what what was the only door open to me by then. Um, and he said to me, "I think God wants you to go there." And with Saint Theophan, who was a recluse, and became a, was a big spiritual father. And I and I God had said the same thing to me two years before. And I'd willfully done my will and uh, and gone against it. So here was this man, so I knew it was of God, but it didn't make it any easier. But what he was telling me to do now, after twenty years of being obedient, was listen to your pain. So that I didn't know I was writing a book. I would have died you know but it's very interesting all my shame all my blaming it all became transformed by the holy spirit so i don't as i was listening listening so i was listening and writing poetry i didn't I didn't know I was <laughs> I was writing a book at that time. Mm-hmm. So it was only like two years later when, or three years later when COVID came, um, that um, that I realised. Well, no, I was told it wouldn't it wouldn't be because I'd written a bit bit more by then. Because he actually led me into service. All of this led me into a more a, a deeper a deeper willingness, deeper commitment. To service, so that was really, I suppose, the answer to your question three questions ago. That was when <laughs> it really became a commitment to um, giving my all for the sake of others. Okay, so Treasures of Darkness is your was the first book. Yeah, and what was the second book? Right. Well, there were actually three altogether. Your will be done, which was about service. Yeah, Yeah. your will be done um, beyond powerlessness, fear. Because one of the problems that we have 
you know, with our trauma brain and, you know, um, the reactions, is that because of our powerlessness when these things happen, we have fear. Mm. But yeah. so this is beyond powerlessness, fear, life revealed in love. Wonderful. That's lovely. And then the third one uh, is children of God. Conform to the life-giving cross in joy and hope in eternal life. Wonderful. So, and where where can our listeners get hold of your books? Well, they're they're on Amazon, and it, it's it's oh, Marina Carrier. I haven't used the the high one. They're on Amazon. Marina Carrier. Okay. So yeah. Marina Carrier. Get that right. And those books are on Amazon. And just um. Before we sort of wrap up, I, have you got any other sort of new projects or initiatives that are on the horizon that you're excited about? Well, I, I have a, an online work, but I realized actually only a few days ago, it's really for those who gave themselves to Christ. Mm-hmm. Those who have suffered, but still gave themselves to Christ and Christ is their Lord. Mm-hmm. And there has to be that willingness, that willless, willlessness for themselves. Now that we still have wills that we have to, you know, work through and whatever. Yeah. But actually, that desire for Christ, that need for Christ, mm. you know. Um, and I think that that's the key. Because when I wake up in the night, as I did last night, with some old stuff, because somebody had been doing some healing on my shoulder and um, uh, uh, with, with my eyes, and it had brought up more um, rebellion and disconnect, you know. So during the night, I was awake, and I was praying and surrendering. In fact, I had a dream about surrendering to Christ again. I thought, oh, maybe this is a bit of me that still needs to surrender and, you know, give, <laughs> give themselves to Christ. And I think that was the case because then I woke up, I was more awake with all this sort of, you know, agonies of the cross. But, you know, the more we can go into here, the more we can rest deep in our hearts with total trust in God the more we live as children of God so that the cross becomes gift. We just know that we're doing our Father's work. And and so this online stuff is called um, um, The Lifter Journey. And it's now for, 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 uh, four months to help people grasp hold of the faith that they had, right, and renew it if necessary, but renew at a deeper level their understanding. Because our first grasp of what it is to be a Christian is very rule-bound, but without the love. And we need (laughs) to know, we really need to know the God of love who carried you, my dear listeners, in your brokenness and in your half-heartedness and in your fear and brought you through. But now he wants you consciously 
to live for him in joy and thanksgiving and know that nothing can separate you, like St. Paul says, from the love of God. But then you are carrying it. You are carrying his love. It's so beautiful. So I'm doing that, but I'm also, um, I've got two more books that he's put into my heart because they actually keep me alive. When I listen to him, I'm kept alive. Someone is a bit more, um, it's not the theory of, of dysfunctional and um, trauma brain, but it's a way of looking at it to help people be go on without fear. And the other one is a, is is a novel. I don't know what's mm. going to happen, but you know, right. just <laughs> it sounds fantastic. <laughs> Something to look forward to. Fabulous. So, how can our listeners connect with you? Well, I I'm on Facebook. And that's where they would certainly see my um uh, uh the, the, the 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 posts and the online support of people. Um, also, um, they can con contact me through my uh, website overcoming.live um, <clears throat> I'm on YouTube uh, I think I told, gave you that, that connection did I? Is that under your name Marina Carrier? N- no it's um, the YouTube or is it H- HMC43 okay. uh, awesome. I, I think it's HMC43 uh, life in faith i think I co- i'm not too sure but i'm sure that you'll but find even it. if they connect with you on facebook they can then absolutely find absolutely. out more yeah absolutely absolutely Brilliant. and um and really if once you do get onto the the videos there's a lot of resources in there um and and you Sounds can hear great. god's work th- you know, working through me. <laughs> but, you know, above all, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Amen. And all those all those bitternesses in you, you just bless them. Bless them in Jesus' name. They'll go. They can't bear it. But you might find the pain behind it that you need then to repent that you didn't take it to God. Because that's what God wants us to do. Give it all to him. Fantastic. Well, Marina, it's been real. It's been slightly longer than my podcast normally are. But I think, no, it's fine. I think this has been a very, very special podcast. So thank you for your time. And thank you for sharing. You're an amazing person, a vessel for God. And I thank you for being with us today. Deborah, you're a darling. And just remember that so are you. All right. <laughs> Thank you. And we we work together. You know? Amen to that. Amen to that. God Thank bless you. you, darling. It's been such a joy. Thank you. Mm-hmm.